What is up and welcome to the underground? It is Ned joined by a very special guest, Mr. Lucas Woodland of the band Holding Absence. Lucas, how are you, man? I'm good, thank you, dude. As we just discussed, it's, um, it's half 11 here and I think it's well, half eight or nine where you are. Yeah, we've got that whole other side of the world thing happening right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, We've both had different experiences arrive into this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time out for this one, man, and just so excited for this new album. First up, how great does it feel to finally have it out? Yeah, honestly, dude, you know, like, the thing is, is when you when you write and record music, you know, being in a band, you always want people to hear it. You know, it's, it's really hard to keep those things a secret, you know, but for us, obviously, with COVID, we recorded the record in February 2020, came straight out of the studio and then COVID hit and we'd literally been sat on it for an entire year. So it felt like even more of a, an, a, a rubbish situation, you know what I mean? But, uh, oh man, it's just been having it out there and like, you know, like people like yourself, like there's been so many wonderful comments about the record and, you know, uh, we worked really hard for it and I, I'm just so glad to see people have enjoyed it the way that we'd hoped they would, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. It's called the greatest mistake of my life, and it is just A1 from start to finish. And you said you finished this up in February, and you've sat on it for over a year. That is crazy right there. During COVID, did you have any time to – you probably got the third record sitting there ready to go. Uh, well, do you, do you know, like, yeah, it's a kind of a mixture of two things because, like, first and foremost, you know, you don't want to overwrite. That's a big thing, you know, like – uh, because at the end of the day, if my life hasn't evolved, how can I expect my songwriting to, you know? So, like, I, I was very cautious of that. And then the other thing as well is, like, for a, for a long time, I thought to myself, why would I want to write music when I'm, like, clouded by bitterness and spite at the world because of what's going on, you know? Like, I don't, I, you know, I mean, it would have been cool maybe to have, like, an angrier album than normal. But for me, you know, I, I just... I would. I really, really resented the thought of COVID affecting my music in any way. You know, it's already taken a year of touring, maybe two out of my life. Like, I don't want to have to write music that's angrier than necessary, or you know, a bit more depressing than it needs to be because of it. So, I did take quite a little bit of time after recording just to let my brain breathe and for me to get to grips with how the world was, you know. But yeah, like you said, man, you know, we started album three already and we're in quite a healthy stead, which is cool. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that is awesome right there. And you've got a very different take on it to most people I talk to. Most people have been buckling down during it and, you know, really getting yep. to work on that new material. But I like where you're coming from because it was such a, just a horrible time where everyone's in lockdown. Yeah, like, for sure. It'd have a weird effect and you've just gone the opposite direction. I think that's really cool, man. Yeah, I think it's because I knew we had a good album already. You know, like if mm. if we, you know, I look at some bands and, and and I imagine COVID came at the perfect time for a lot of bands because it was like, you know, I, even some musicians I've seen having children or getting married or, you know, really making that most of that one year off that you would rarely get, you know. But for us, it was kind of like we'd just done all the work. So like... 
I didn't want to just rush back in to do more work for the sake of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I want to talk a little bit about your holding absence. The, the documentary that you have throughout, man, that looked like a lot of fun to record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the recording process was so brilliant, man, you know, and and when you think about like a band going to a studio and having like a month locked away in, you know, in some middle of nowhere, like, you know, like field or whatever, which is basically what we did, you know, um, it's, it's funny because it was our first time experiencing that, but it, it is actually our second record, you know, so um, it was extra special, I think, because it, it felt like the first true pure album recording process you know and every day i'd wake up and scott our guitarist has been tracking guitars from 9 a.m and you know as, as you can tell by this conversation i'm a bit of a late bird you know so <laughs> i'll be up until like 12 or whatever tracking vocals and you know and we'll eat food around the table together and we'll really live the record so um and like you said i think the documentary really helped to capture that because it was pretty much five weeks of tw you know 24 hour work you know yeah, definitely, man. And to anyone checking out this interview, you need to check it out. It is, it's called The Greatest Mistake of My Life, the documentary. And it's a really great, it's a half an hour documentary you guys have got happening there. And you can just get a real solid insight to the making of the album right there. And I noticed that one of your members left though. Has he been replaced and all good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's absolutely no slowing down on our end. You know, we, um, we're fortunate because two of, two of us were in a band previous to this, you know, and the, the dude for, uh, who's kind of joining now is somebody I've known for the last decade of my life. You know, I, I joined the first band I was ever in with him. So weirdly, the synergy, I'm myself and Scott, our guitarist, the synergy between the three of us goes back nearly a decade, you know, so there's nothing to worry about. But yeah, the main, the main thing with the, the lineup change was, I think, our bassist James, he, his favorite thing about the band was was touring and playing shows, you know. And um, and I do just think, you know, I mean, I can't speak on his behalf about hypothetical situations, but I do really think that it was it was a kind of a shame that COVID kind of hit him where it hurt a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's no hard feelings, and you know, it's all, all love between us. And he's doing his own project now, and we're super happy for him, which is wicked. So yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome right there. He looked like a bit of a dude for sure. All right, man. <laughs> I want to sort of change things up a little bit. Well, still on the record, of course. I noticed your sister's on there. Is that, and on a more sort of lighthearted side, I guess, is that something where your parents like, you've got to put her on there, Lucas? <laughs> no, man. Like, you know, my parents, luckily, my God, I tell you what, that'd be an awkward situation to be in one day. <laughs> like, um, but no, um, yeah, look, to be honest, you know, myself and my sister, we we both had the same introduction to music as one another, really, you know, because our parents are very musically involved in, uh, not as performers, you know, but just like people who love music. Um, so it was always in the household. And like, you know, I grew up singing along to the radio and so did she, you know, and, and I feel like every day of my adolescent music kind of experience i was with her for you know and then when we we came to this record i knew i wanted to do a duet because i thought that'd be something quite unique and something quite interesting to spice the record up especially towards the tail end of the album and um and yeah who better to do it than my sister you know we, we decided not to go for a big what feature you know like if if we'd got like Amy Lee from Evanescence or something on it, you know, that that would have been a very different vibe and we would have pushed that as like a single. But the way the song was, we just wanted it to be a special inclusion, I guess, on a musical level, you know? Uh, and the fact that my sister could sing and did such a great job was just a special on a personal level then, you know? 
Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic right there, man. I was just playing around a little bit. I thought it was great that you got her on there. And 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 like I've said a couple of times now, the whole album from start to front is just, it's all almost like a journey throughout, man. And I ask, I'm trying to wrap my head around all these sub-genres and whatever. What would you say Holden Abton sort of label, yeah. you guys label yourself as? It's a really tough question, man, because, you know, we get compared to every sub-genre in this kind of area, you know, so... We've toured with bands like, um, uh, we've played shows with Under Oath, we've played shows with Sleeping With Sirens, Being As An Ocean, Counterparts, uh, bands like Creeper and As It Is, you know. So everyone from the the pop rock, pop punk, emo side of things to the metalcore, melodic hardcore kind of thing. And, and to be honest, you know, I try not to get too caught up in that because I, I'm confusing myself as I talk, you know what I mean? It's such a confusing thing. But uh, honestly, you know, what I always tell people is that we're an emotional rock band and we take yeah. inspiration from everywhere. And, you know, like you might have picked up, there's like quite a lot of shoegaze, quite a lot of post-rock, you know. So we're inspired by bands like My Bloody Valentine and Explosions in the Sky as much as we are bands like, uh, you know, Under Oath or Sleep Sirens, you know what I mean? So we do take a lot in, but I think the problem with that is that we're quite hard to the label then you know yeah no definitely man but i do think you are the perfect fit for sharp tone records how, how has the how do you find it on that label lucas yeah dude you know like when you grow up you know as a, as a musician uh, it might not be quite um quite such a special fable as it used to be but the concept of signing to a label is just obviously a life-changing thing and when uh, sharp tone got in touch with us we literally only released one song uh, and they signed us after the second song. And, and I don't view that as like, you know, we're not like an industry plant or anything. You know what I mean? Like we we were just very fortunate that the label had such belief and understanding in what we, we did basically, you know. So with Sharptone and ourselves, I feel like we've kind of grown together and it's just been such a special experience because like I love the label. I love the, the people at the label, but I also love all the bands on the label as well. Um, and, and I think, in an industry where you know the rich get rich and the poor get poor it'd be quite easy to fall into a big major label and lose like all sense of identity in regards to what a label is you know but with sharp tone i love them all i love the message i love the music and to be a part of that is just such a blessing you know yeah, that is very well said right there. I personally think it's one of the best sort of labels getting around at the minute. You guys are the perfect. Yeah, and like you said, the bands and everything on there are just so exciting. Now, Lucas, we were talking about Australia a little bit before, how you've you've never been out here. Is that right? Yeah, dude, not even as a person, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely something on my bucket list and definitely something on Holden Absence's bucket list as well. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed and touch wood that that happens sooner rather than later. What's the sort of first thing you think of when you think of Australia? At the moment, man, I tell you what, you know, this might resonate, it might not, but me and my girlfriend just finished watching Married at First Sight, and like, <laughs> dude, I don't know what, you know, it's probably different for you guys over there, because it's on your tally on a weekly basis, but honestly, I I finished watching The Wire at the beginning of the year, which is obviously one of the best TV series of all time, It is. and Married at First Sight was just as mind-blowing to me every week, I was like, whoa! You know what I mean? So at the moment, when I think of you guys, I think of uh, all the crazy drama on that show. But generally speaking, though, I will say the Australia scene is unbelievable. When you take in, into consideration the population of Australia, you know, and then you take into consideration the percentage of 
incredible bands you've got like Polaris, Thornhill, Alpha Wolf, Void of Vision. You know, four bands on their own that just that are just in a different league. And like, you know, I think Australia's population is like half, if not a third of Britons or, so, or something crazy like that. So to think that you've got so many powerhouses in the scene, is just like mind blowing to me. So uh, North Lane, you know, Parkway yeah. Drive, Ampy Affliction. Dude, you know, you've got it all over there, you know. <laughs> uh, very awesome of you to say and had to giggle at the, the maths thing too, because my wife is all over that, man, but I've never watched an episode. I've got buddies oh, in America that are talking about it too, married at first sight. So had to, you're a good boyfriend for doing that. Well, you know, maybe it's maybe it's more me being a bit of a, a you know, I, I I can't say it was all for her. Is that, you know what I mean? Like, I definitely enjoyed a little bit for myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're good to have a bit of a laugh at, man. Well, you are heading out on the road a little bit later on this year. Has there been any talks of possibly getting out here at any stage? Uh, we were booked to come over for April last year. So literally you guys were like next on the list for us. You know, we were literally supposed to be going a month after COVID. So um, so it's definitely first on the priority list, you know. And um, and, and for me, when I, when I think about what makes being a musician special, there's so many different aspects of it, but like meeting new people, traveling to new places, understanding new, uh, you know, culture. Like that is something that I feel like I've got a bit of a free pass with as a musician. So, you know, on a personal level of fulfillment, I'm desperate to come over. So yeah, as soon as we can, we're getting on that plane. <laughs> oh, I love that right there, man. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end things with this. Apart from this interview, what is the greatest mistake of your life? Oh no, dude, you're doing <laughs> so well, man. Every, I'm going to say 50% of my interviews at the moment, I get asked that question. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, I'm going to edit that. I need to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fine, man. Uh, no, to be fair, I um, I never have an answer either. I just, I, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You asking this question is... Is the greatest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time out. Really appreciate it. The album is called The Greatest Mistake of My Life. It is Mr. Lucas Woodland. Such a good man. Taking time out at 11.30 at night. Really appreciate Dude. it. Hit these guys my, up. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, um, I'd love to meet you someday as well. So, you know, if ever we're down your end and... Uh, Come and say hello. It'd be wicked. Oh, definitely, man. I'll be hitting up that show. Looking forward to it. Facebook.com slash Holding Absence. All of their handles are Holding Absence. Be sure to check it out and listen to that album. Man, Lucas, thank you. Thank you, bro. This has been another presentation from the Greenwood Entertainment Network. Greenwoodentertainment.net.